more time. Okay, so we make a start. Hello, everybody. Uh, I am really pleased to welcome my first ever podcast guest, Adam Williams. Hi, Sam. I'm honoured. <laughs> you should feel honoured. Don't feel too pressured, mate. Um, but obviously, the, the whole fate of the future of the podcast is resting on your shoulders. Uh, now, I've, I've got Adam in, as, as I mentioned in um, the previous podcast, I'm going to be talking to a series of people who professionally I have a connection with, I have some shared ideas with. And uh, I first I first met Adam, I was doing it, uh, sort of brought in to do a piece of work for NCS, which is National Citizen Service. Service, yeah. And it's a project run out of Exeter City. Um, which is where I met Adam and I was asked to do a bit of training around behaviour and behaviour support techniques, things like that and also to deliver some stuff to the kids there and then I got chatting to Adam about a few things that I'd included in my training and it it became apparent very quickly that we had some very like-minded ways of thinking about things and he had um, some ideas and and some skills that I was really keen to sort of access so we are going to be putting on a training course together soon coming up when's that mate that's like the 8th 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 of December 8th of December yeah yeah um which is called looking after yourself which I guess I should probably plug but we'll probably go into more detail later on um but it's it's basically designed for parents of young people who are exhibiting behaviours that perhaps challenge those around them and the idea really is to give uh, the parents and the professionals accessing the course a a toolbox of techniques to support themselves so they're in the best position to support those young people um so anyway enough about the course on to adam um as far and i'm a bit ignorant other than our conversations but as far as i'm aware your background is hypnotherapy yeah that's right? right yeah um and i know that you you work in, in some capacity for NCS, but do you want to tell us a bit about your actual role at, at NCS first? Yeah, sure. Um, I've been working on NCS now for just over a year. Um, as you've just mentioned, it's run out of Exeter City Football Club. Um, and it's a national project, a um, national programme that works with kids between 15 and 17 years old mm-hmm. um, from all around the sort of Devon region. Um, and it's basically looking at sort of, in, sort of in, instilling sort of confidence in them, getting them back into the communities. Um, and just giving them like a really sort of bit of a helping hand again in just sort of enjoying their summer holidays but also you know giving them sort of the tools and equip equip them with the sort of life skills to move into that next stage of their lives that next mm-hmm. transition into adulthood um, it's broken down into sort of an adventure phase where they get to you know push their boundaries um, sort of team bonding that sort of thing um, usually um, last summer for example we were just up in the Brecon Beacons so mm-hmm. again loads of nice amount of rain but again camping <laughs> amazing incredible sort of adventure that they go on um canyoning you know they go and sort of surfing their bodyboarding their jumping off river like river gorge jumping that sort of thing um and again it just gives them a real a platform to sort of you know get themselves outside of what they're used to first of all from their secondary school um outside of their usual group of friends and just get to meet people and again just um, yeah, just to sort of explore that sort of mm. transition to adulthood, really. It was really, I was really, um, I really admired the quality of the programme, actually. I wasn't that aware of NCS and, and what they do, and, and being on it and being involved, it was, I could see the value straight away. No, it's really, really yeah. good. A lot of the parents always say as well, like the the young person that leaves on the Monday morning, the, even even the young person that returns five days later is just a completely different person. Yeah. You know, that time outside of their sort of routines, um, we do take their mobile phones off them as well, which never goes down very well. But again, just puts them. Who outside. gets that job? Is that like, like <laughs> that's like, the team leaders who have to break the news to them that way? Yeah. Yeah. We we tend to sort of gloss over that during the uh, during the uh, <laughs> <laughs> recruitment phase. But, yeah, tell them all about the canoeing and abseiling exactly. like in the small print. You have your phones removed. Exactly. Um, exactly. And is NCS this? Because I know you guys. You you initially worked for Exeter City mm-hmm. um, as part of the community team there. Mm-hmm. But is NCS, is it the, so, because obviously people might be listening to this from different parts of the country. Yeah. Is it delivered in the same way everywhere? Or is it, you do you choose how, what the delivery is like? Or? There's there's a model that you have to sort of stick to. There's okay. different principles that you need to work towards. Um, but each local delivery partner um, will deliver it in their own unique way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and again we've decided personally to go up to the Brecon Beacons because we think that's the perfect right, place right so you've put that together yeah, exactly. as your sort exactly. of plan okay but again the sort of the pattern is nationwide with the fact that there's an adventure phase followed by a discovery phase which yep. is a bit more about sort of um, learning those skills you can't necessarily learn in the classroom which is that is the when, stuff that we did exactly yeah. yeah so that's where I delivered my anxiety regulation workshop yep. where you delivered your empathy um, empathy workshop um, yeah that again, was fun so they'd come back from a week of like adventure activities and, yeah. and then we had to deliver to them in a classroom mm-hmm. still <laughs> so in a beautiful beautiful Bicton College it was though, yeah incredible and they still got a lot from yeah. it I think so. <laughs> yeah. it must have just been a bit of a come down for them <laughs> yeah. we'll be excited um, and uh, so your your role within that you, you inv- you're involved in the, like the programming of the second phase isn't it is that right yeah, well, I was mainly responsible for the um, recruitment with the summer that's just gone. Yeah. So again, going into schools, going into colleges, and just basically Getting promoting promoting NCS, yeah. letting the guys know that NCS exists really, and you know, encouraging them to give it a go. The hardest thing for 15, 17 year olds mm-hmm. is the actual going through the procedure of signing up. Yeah. They might quite like the idea of it, but that's not enough. They need to actually go onto the internet. They need to actually receive a phone call. <laughs> they need to actually Fit do that extra little bit. Exactly, and that, that can prove a bit of a challenge, but the programme's growing year on year, and again, yeah. the, the feedback we get from the young people who do it is, is always really, really good. And the parents, as I say, are always yeah. really, really willing to sort of be our sort of best ambassadors, really, for, for what the, what the, what the programme does. And obviously, the, the majority of the, the sort of parents that I work with and, and maybe the parents that will be accessing this will have young people with additional needs and maybe thing, uh, conditions like Asperger's, ADHD, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, I'm aware that of a couple of people that went on this year's programme with, um, certainly with autism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know one lad in particular who had actually what, and I think might, might turn out to be quite a life-changing experience as a result of the programme. So. Wow. You know, I know that is something that is happening. I mean, is it something that you guys actively think about in your recruitment, or do you just, you know, is is there? What's the best way to word it, really? Well, yeah, I mean, it, do, would you say it's something that's suitable for those types of young people? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's something that we make sure that we don't go into it sort of blindly. We make yeah. sure that we get the support we need. We we have a very close contact then with parents and guardians. To make sure that we know as much information as possible, anything that might be sort of that might help to basically support that young person in having the best time possible. Um, that could be behavioural things, that could be medication wise, that could be just a couple of triggers that just really are useful to know. Mm. Um, but again, we're always in close pro- um, proximity with again people that we can contact if there's anything additional that we need to find out along the way. Um, but again, we definitely, you know, I would say it's very well set up for um you know for anyone basically anyone that wants to give it a go yeah and we'd make sure that we put everything in place um to make sure it's as sort of you know as comfortable for that young person but also as safe as possible as well yeah well, i mean it's a really it's definitely a really good program and i'd certainly recommend i like to have only ever been involved in this one the, the exeter one but mm-hmm. I, I recommend it the program to to you know any parents looking for things to sort of further their young person's social development really mm-hmm. I'd say social and emotional development is a big part of that um, model mm-hmm. um, so we're not this podcast is not sponsored by NCS but I might be <laughs> tapping them up for a bit of money now because we've, we've <laughs> yeah, sort of do done it. the spiel there yeah, about you know it. NCS but really like the, one of the reasons I wanted to sort of chat to you was you know in, in our work together and in sort of finding out more about what each other do um, there's a couple of themes of things that we're both really interested in and mm-hmm. you know I'm going to be talking a lot in these podcasts I think about emotional regulation and emotional resilience in young people and you know kind of understanding how emotions work how they affect people uh, I, I think for me I've, I, I'm really interested in all the science behind it, the neurology behind it, you know, how the, how the brain functions under stress, you know, what, where emotions are created and all this kind of thing. But actually, there are a lot of ways of simplifying that for young people that I think could be, could be happening more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, there's, a, there's a, the Dan Siegel hand-brain model is something I use an awful lot where we explain to kids about you know the, the top brain and the bottom brain and 
you know, you use your hand and you talk about flipping your lid and you move your fingers up and expose the brain underneath. That that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I think, is really powerful for young people to access. Must admit, I've taken that from you since, uh, well, <laughs> since I saw you delivering your uh, empathy <laughs> workshop. Well, I'd love to say it was mine, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> yeah, I stole it from him, so, you know. The beauty of knowledge sharing, I suppose. That's it. And also, <laughs> well, and also him, someone else doing all the research and science and yeah. just reading it. Those guys as well, yeah. You know. yeah. Um, but it's all, you know, it's all sharing, I guess. <laughs> And I do always reference him. <laughs> I don't know if that means you then have to reference me or him. I guess him, probably. I just claim it's my own. Yeah. <laughs> well, I might have some issues there. Um, but I guess, yeah, so one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you really was was kind of the hypnotherapy side of it um, mm-hmm. and your your background there and, and maybe how you use that with young people. So what what did you how did you get into that side of things like, into the hypnotherapy yeah and, and what does that entail um well i studied sports psychology at university mm-hmm. um going back a few years before that i used to experience anxiety quite a lot myself okay um used to sort of feel those sort of sort of horrible feelings of an overpowering sort of sense of um sort of dread quite a lot of the time a mm-hmm. little bit of sickness as well sort of going red every time i had to sort of deliver any sort of any personal um, public speaking that sort of thing um, or and talking obviously, on podcasts mate I was just <laughs> about to say yeah or talking on podcasts yeah always always brings things you know I always have that anxiety response built into me I know I do right but again I've just learned over the years again that you can actually build things into your sort of everyday life okay. it can really help to support yourself so when I went to university I ended up going to see my GP actually for the first in the first year because um, I was a bit concerned about my sort of myself with regards to the anxiety um, and I literally just found overnight pretty much after he had said it sounds like you're experiencing anxiety and go and read up a bit about it mm. I just found that literally overnight just reading a little bit even giving it the name tag of anxiety it just gave me like a almost like sticking a bit of a, a flagpole in to somewhere and I could start working towards making myself feel a lot more sort of a lot more supported a lot more comfortable at the time actually I thought I had some weird tropical disease first of all that I picked up <laughs> on my travels around the world um, I was working in the rubber factory at the time as well, so I thought I'd, I thought I was having some reaction to the, to the fumes from the rubber factory. <laughs> so, so anxiety is toxic poison. Exactly. So that's how it felt. It felt like I was lightheaded quite a lot of the time. You know, if you're into all that conspiracy about chemtrails and stuff, yeah. know, maybe it's maybe, maybe it's anxiety <laughs> sprayed out. Um, but yeah, just I used to experience it. Went to went to university, started to really sort of understand a bit more about what it was. Mm. My degree as well gave me the sort of the biology of it as well as well as the psychology of actually what is the anxiety response and how yep. important is anxiety and arousal in actually performing optimally mm-hmm. and it was just quite interesting to start getting it reframed as something positive because yeah. up until that point it was just you know first of all it was a, a thing that made me feel terrible and then it was something that I had to try and overcome mm. so what I actually figured out during those three years and obviously um, sort of doing my own things either side of my studies as well is that actually it's actually a very powerful, useful, important part um, of our makeup. Yeah. And actually there's things that you can do to get yourself to the optimal level rather than what I was trying to do previously, which was just trying to avoid it as much as possible. So anxiety is kind of tied in with arousal and then like you need an optimal arousal level to perform. Exactly. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a, a, a sort of uh, a, a very simple model that's called the inverted U theory. Um, yes. And it basically just suggests that if if you can imagine the inverted U, I don't know why they don't call it an N, but yeah, inverted <laughs> U basically looks like an N. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the way that that describes anxiety and arousal is that if you have no anxiety whatsoever, your performance is low. Yeah. But likewise, if you have sort of if you're over anxious or over aroused, your performance is also low. Uh-huh. So it's about trying to just get that optimal, just get that sort of you know get yourself in that sort of peak peak state for performance. And that can then be translated basically into just everyday life. Trying to get yourself into that peak level Definitely. whenever necessary. I think that's something you said when we, when we were in conversation early on. And I think it was something like you said about the fossilization of the word. Or so, there was something about or the demonization or some, something about anxiety being made into a negative term. Mm-hmm. Which that, that I remember that was, I really connected with that. Because at the time I was, you know... At, and still, you know, anxiety is, is out there in the public domain and it's great that everyone's talking about it more and more and people are accepting the, mm. the real challenges young people face. But I think the, 
the trickle down effect of that is that we're getting maybe getting some young people who are like pet oh no I've got anxiety oh you know that's awful yeah. I'm faulty I'm wrong you know mm-hmm. why have I got anxiety mm-hmm. and actually like one of the messages I've picked up from you is that you know it, it's perfectly normal mm-hmm. everyone has it and mm-hmm. actually it can be very useful it's, um, it's probably one of the most important messages I put across in my anxiety regulation mm-hmm. workshops is actually to take the, the demonization side of it you know yeah. the, take the sting out the tail of it it's not something magical it's not something horrible and nasty it's actually your inbuilt system which is there for very good reason and it's kept you basically survive you know it kept you survived if that's the word surviving <laughs> yeah and basically kept you alive for all these generations so again it's an extremely important part of the makeup um, and I think that the young people really like to hear that yeah they really like to hear that because it actually you know it gives them permission to experience it rather than always trying to just get away from it definitely I mean a lot of the work I do is with um, young people on the autistic spectrum and there's uh, there's something in in autism called a, a sort of limited theory of mind, where the idea is that one of the developmental impacts of autism is uh, is 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 on the theory of mind. And the theory of mind is your ability to understand the thoughts and motivations of others. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you'll get sometimes is some of the young people I've worked with, in particular the sort of the, the teenagers on the spectrum. They get to this point where they start to be aware of, of their own emotions and their own differences and their own sort of um, needs and challenges. And I think because they're not paying as much attention to the thoughts and feelings of others, they kind of make it, um, you know, they kind of turn it on themselves and think that they're the only one. You know, why am I struggling mm-hmm. with this? Mm-hmm. You know, why, why am I so different? Why can't I just be normal? Yeah. And actually, you know, I'm always really interested in talking to young people about how different everyone is, mm-hmm. but how also we all experience these emotions in, in under the surface, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's anxiety is one of those emotions that happens for everyone, but mm-hmm. you could look at one person and they'll look completely calm and you can look at another and you can see the anxiety on mm-hmm. them, you know, it's just depending on their coping strategies. I must admit, actually, Sam, there's another phrase that I've... Uh stolen from you as well well it, when you say stolen from me though, <laughs> it's probably me that's stolen from somewhere else so but it's it's the fact that anxiety is is excitement with the bad press oh yeah i, I don't know if i've heard that, that one, i, I might take credit for that yeah. i'm sure someone will pull me up on it yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's so true though, isn't it it's, yeah. it's like it's it's the same sort of feeling on your body yeah you know? exactly and um, that, and 100 i'm not taking away the fact that anxiety is a real thing and it is course. actually you know a thing that people do struggle with and they do suffer from yeah it's just the case of actually people that do experience it knowing that there are things that you can do there are lots of things that you can do to help support yourself and make yourself feel more comfortable on a day-to-day basis definitely it's funny actually i don't want to keep sort of pulling back to autism but that's one of the things that that made that very that sort of phrase very real to me is actually you know um we all we all would understand and connect with the idea of oh, struggling with anxiety mm-hmm. but i've worked with people on the autistic spectrum that arguably would struggle just as much with excitement mm-hmm. and the amount of parents that i work with that the christmas is like the worst time of year because right. these kids haven't built up a way of regulating even excitement mm-hmm. you know yeah. and actually it affects the body in the same sort of way so if you're really excited about something and you can't cope mm-hmm it starts to become an awful thing, yeah. you know, and the same with anxiety, if you can't, can't cope, can't get the best out of it. But go, just going back to, to your, what you were talking about, your experience, Yeah. Um, I think one thing that stuck out for me there that's really interesting is that you recognised it, you recognised something was wrong and you sought help. Mm-hmm. And I think that is always the first step mm-hmm. of any of these things, isn't it? Definitely. Is it? Is if someone actually goes, I'm not quite, okay mm-hmm. and I want to know more and you were saying that even by understanding the word and understand and giving a language to yeah. it and understanding what it was already started to have a positive effect exactly and I think that that's what I've tried to translate into my workshops is almost from finding out about this word how did I find it useful to then take steps through to, to support myself through it mm. and I think the, the most interesting page I've ever read in my entire life was the page in the anxiety book that was about the evolutional purposes mm. and actually the background of, of the anxiety response 
And again, that's how I try and reframe it a little bit again in my in my workshops, um, away from necessarily just anxiety as this sort of quite ambiguous word to actually the anxiety response, because then it gives you that sort of it it, it puts it in a different context, puts it in a context more around the fact that it's there to respond to something. Right. And responses can be, you know, you can change your response to things over time. But again, it's not this overpowering, again, ambiguous word, which is anxiety, mm. which basically can cover so many things. Yes. The feeling that people get, that's the symptoms of anxiety, are the symptoms of the anxiety response. Right. And again, if you want to take it another step back even from that, it's a symptom of the sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. So these are all bodily symptoms that we interpret based on the actual sensations they give us and the feelings they give us. And I mean, explain the sympathetic nervous system. Then that's the that's the is that the fight or flight part exactly. of the brain or the response part of the brain? Yeah, that's the fight, flight, or freeze. So yeah. They again, depending on which which books you read or which journals you read, but um, it's basically that part of the nervous system which is built in to protect us when we need that additional oomph, that additional surge of something. Mm-hmm. Again, to use these stereotypes, um, to fight fight the lion, run away from the bear, whatever it may be. Um, You're talking about in terms of evolution and exactly. you know, years ago. And yeah, not exactly. Not just breakout pains. <laughs> <laughs> no, you never know though. That's what it, you never know when it comes yeah, to Yeah, well it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Like, you know, we would have been, I guess, um, quite a vulnerable animal, mm-hmm. you know, before we sort of built lots of weapons and you know, yeah. civilization and things like that so and it's actually quite interesting if you think about the sort of the um sort of ancestrally for the past thou- couple of thousand years we've only very very recently become in inverted commas top of the food chain yeah and that's purely as you said based around things that we've managed to manipulate to support us to be there actually as animal again on animal on animal we're still nowhere near the top so if we didn't have those things yeah. We would still very much be. Oh using God! Them. In like in a cage fight, exactly. we would be not even top exactly. tier, would we? We'd no. be getting. I, I <laughs> this is a bit of a tangent, but I, I, I um, play a game with with some of my friends sometimes, where they have to they have to think about which animal they could realistically take on in a fight. <laughs> and like okay. when you actually pin it down, like yeah. even even like a small dog would be a handful. Uh-huh. You know, like it, it's all teeth and muscle and, you know, yeah. and with no weapon. Anyway, this is not relevant to the podcast <laughs> at all. This is how most of our conversations go. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, that that's the evolutionary um, psychology is a bit of a, a, a another sort of fascination yeah. of mine. Yeah, and too. I think... It's what's really interesting is if you were to like get almost like a graph I think you did this in one of your training actually where you talked about like being a um, a reptile over here and then mm-hmm. up to a human over here mm-hmm. and you walked it through but if you actually looked at it as a graph even in human um, biological evolution so you had homo sapiens as a um, sort of biologically identical being were around about 100,000 years ago mm-hmm. and they looked exactly the same as us. So you could shave them down, put them in a suit and put mm-hmm. them on a tube and no one would notice. And mm-hmm. that was like 100,000 years ago. But there's no evidence for any sort of behavioural or cognitive change until about 40, 30,000 years ago when you started to see like cave paintings mm-hmm. and, um, you know, um, models of, of figurines being made and, and certain t- and needles and things like that being used and and then you've got nothing really going on until the agricultural revolution 10,000 years ago and that's when civilization started mm-hmm. so you've got if you take the 100 as like the 100% 100,000 years 10% of it has been civilized mm-hmm. and then i guess i mean in terms of historical you'd be looking at what two three percent of it's written down so it's like yeah we don't really know anything no. about ourselves no. yet exactly. and, and like the, the you know if you look at the, the technological advances in the last hundred years us as a as a trying to sort of cope with the world around us is yeah it's a difficult thing to do <laughs> I, I think that that's that's that that's a big factor the sense that this the technological development mm. is is so fast and our brains just aren't adapt to the to it but again i this is that this is adapt to sort of keep up i mean yeah adapt to keep up with that technology it's really fast advanced. paced isn't exactly. it exactly yeah. 
but again the way I always again a lot of the parents who talk to me about sort of their young you know their their, their son or daughter um, and around about their sort of the amount of time they spend on their phones the amount of time they spend yeah. watching TV computer games my answer is always the same in the fact that that's not going away that's yeah. not going away technology will continue to develop exponentially if not you know faster than we used to you know up until this moment but what you can start to do is actually not try and chase your tail I always use the um, the the example of what's that game where the mole pops up or something and you have to hit whack it whack a mole whack a mole yeah. that's it if you try and hit, if you try and deal with all these little things all these changes you're, you're fighting a losing battle you're mm. just going to keep whacking the mole just going to keep popping up in a different way but what you can actually do is train these young people and, and adults alike but train people in actually supporting themselves more and actually looking at themselves and how they can sort of use more sort of imagery but again how do they can sort of build stronger deeper roots themselves mm. and actually the all those little things around don't have quite such an impact because that person themselves is more grounded more able to deal with things more sort of educated on what the anxiety response is for example mm. um, and also have a toolkit which is really important to actually support themselves going forwards so the, the technology side, I know we've gone off on a bit of a tangent here, but... Um, it's going to happen on anything <laughs> I'm involved in. But um, with the technology side of things, I think that that's something that, again, it's, it's got... It, it could be used as a scapegoat. could definitely be used as a scapegoat. But the most important message from the technology side of things is actually we need to give our brains a break because they're trying to catch up. Yeah. And actually they're still firing as though we're still middle food chain, if not lower middle. Right. The brain's still firing to try and keep us survive, you know, keep us survive. But then again, try and keep um, keep <laughs> it alive, and to basically keep us safe. Yeah, so we're and in like survival mode. Exactly, but actually, it's creeping out into things like being stuck in a traffic jam and being a bit late for work. Yeah, you know, that's not life or death. However, how does your brain know that? Yeah, it's it's being interpreted as being life or death because that's its system, that's its mechanism. So again, all these things that we sort of, I do use sort of whichever whichever classroom or whichever. Um, sort of room I'm doing my workshop in I always use the two sort of walls as the extremes the big bang to today yeah and and you, you can almost again depending on the size of the room but it's a such a tiny percentage yeah that we've spent in this sort of safe again inverted commas world that we live in now get to lock the doors get the police mm-hmm. got you know got a blanket to get under every night you know you, you can pretty much be very you can pretty much be sure that you're going to go through your day your week your month your year safely Obviously, within you know, there's, there's always going to be out. I mean, this is a this is a hell of a tangent, but you know, I it, I was I was listening to something someone was saying the other day about how um, religion, in terms of human development, could have been seen as a, a scaffold for, uh, you know, for cognitive advancement. Mm-hmm. You know, a way of. Um, it was almost a scaffold for getting people to think in the same, you know, joined up thinking, um, collaborative thinking, and and although I'm I'm not especially religious as a person, but I do, I do think sometimes people devalue the effect it's had on our development, and what we what we're faced with now, because I think like in terms of when cognitive development came around and then religion was around the same sort of time. You had lots of people asking why. We're the first, in terms of cognitive development compared to animals, mm-hmm. we're the first animal that asks why. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is a massive, I don't want to swear, but it's, it's a head F in that, you know. It's, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it, so to have religion to kind of explain it all mm-hmm. was almost a safety net. Now we've got all this ability and, and like you say, all this safety and all this technology and science in our society. Mm-hmm. And it, and I just think we're we've kind of we've advanced technology and everything like that to a point, without going back and addressing our own feeling about it, mm-hmm. you know. And and for young people, you know, there must be so much confusion about what is their purpose, where do they fit, you know. Um, it's not necessarily about fight or flight, maybe, but it's it's a kind of anxiety about. Um, I guess the their own feelings and, and unknown mm-hmm. feelings about I think I'm totally waffling <laughs> one last thing before you I'm going to just have one quick last little waffle before we get back yeah. on track um, that, that goes a little bit as well 
with with the sort of state we're in at the moment with with the amount of options that we have and the amount of choice yes. that we get yeah there was a thing that i heard the other day and as soon as i heard it it really rang true with me about positive restraints and actually when you have restraints on you it's, it's deemed now for, for not necessarily well definitely for my generation and potentially teenagers now as well like this this endless opportunity is built as being heaven you know it's, it's the perfect thing mm. endless opportunity you can do anything that you want to do you know the world's your oyster you can travel you can you know any career you want if you train you know if you if you want it you can have it mm. now that actually sounds great but in practice it's not what we're used to yes we've we've got we've got this endless amount of opportunity without any sort of you know as you say scaffolding about how to actually make decisions yeah and again i can vouch for the fact that i've been through sort of phases in my sort of 20s especially where all the options were actually overwhelming yeah and i think that again as a young person now i can only imagine it's this is similar to, to my oh, generation if not more yeah well, yeah exactly times, times more uh, thank um, you because i think that's that's kind of i, I totally lost what I was getting to but it's, it's kind of like that idea that we've evolved the world around us faster than our minds exactly can cope that. and exactly like that. there's lots of evidence that you know when we when we started this cognitive evolution we were designed to be in groups of no more than sort of a hundred mm-hmm. you're only supposed to be able to cope with knowing a hundred people yeah. and you think now you could you know, I mean I know young people with Facebook like a thousand Facebook friends mm-hmm. and I sort of say to them how do you yeah. cope with that many friends like, yeah. how does that work and you know the the beauty of modern technology is you can meet and connect with anyone in the world mm-hmm. the curse of modern technology is you can meet and connect it's with exactly anyone that. in the world yeah, exactly and, that. you know it, it's that kind of process so anyway getting back on track um you we're at university, yeah. Um, and you, so when did you go into the sort of hypnotherapy side of things? Good question. If I just quickly carry on through how I, yeah, what happened after university, so that makes a bit more sense then. Yeah, um, no worries. When I left university, I went straight into working um, as a fitness instructor, and a bit of personal training and that sort of thing. Um, I worked as a GP, GP referral specialist, so again, people that got referred from their GP into exercise. Mm-hmm. So I worked that for a couple of years, which was great. Um, I then went and lived in Spain for a couple of years and I taught English for, you know, um, over an incredible city called Cadiz, down in the south of Spain. Mm-hmm. Then when I came back, I worked in Exeter um, as an adult education tutor, helped upskill adults get them back into work. And then I started working for NCS. Now, in every single one of those jobs, um, I kept hearing the word anxiety, kept being used <laughs> over and over again. Whether it was my, my son's anxious, my, 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 my daughter's anxious, my, my, my husband's anxious, my my auntie's sister-in-law, whoever that may be, is anxious. <laughs> I'll work that one out. But, yeah. <laughs> but everybody, I kept hearing this word anxiety and it was always connected to negativity. It was always yeah. connected to, so they can't do this, or so it's stopping them to do this, or so the symptoms which are horribly terrible for their life is this. So I kept hearing these things and obviously with my experience with sports psychology, with my background, um, with experiencing anxiety myself, I really wanted to get something together to start to support and help and actually um, give something back to people who were experiencing this negatively because I know that there are things that people can do yeah. to, to support themselves. Um, so I was thinking about my options, um, lots of research with different sort of different sort of lines of therapy or different lines of maybe going back to do a master's in certain um, subjects. But I really, as soon as I heard about hypnotherapy, I just thought that is that sounds exactly like the one that I want to specialise in because... What was it about hypnotherapy then that really? It's it's the. It's it's the it's the power of the mind. It really does bring to the surface the deep powers that we've got, mm. and again, not in any sort of esoterical, strange, spiritual way necessarily. I'll leave that one for now. But, yeah, um, yeah. But more in the sense that actually we, we we often forget the the capabilities that we've got. We forget mm. the power that we've got in ourselves. I think that confidence can be buried under an absolute barrage of, 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 of chatter, of, of cluttered thoughts, of cluttered thinking, of cluttered conversations with ourselves about dragging the past around into the future and back again. And it's, it, you know, it can just become very, very disorientating. And it was hypnotherapy which really sort of hit home with me in the sense that you can, you can empower people to actually remind themselves about who they are, about what they can do, bring back to the surface resources um, 
and it's all done in a completely but also to use the power of their own imaginations and actually bring back to the surface all those things that as I said before might have previously been sort of um, buried and sort of you know hidden what time have we got on till, mate? Just so I can. Oh, we we've got at least another half hour or so, okay. mate. I, I want to try and keep them to an hour. Um, I'll edit out this this little these little bits anyway. Awesome. Um, so I think we got cut off because I got a phone call. So um, Adam is just going to start again and explain hypnotherapy. Nice one. Okay, so um, as I said, I was just fascinated with it from from the outset. Really, um, hypnotherapy in in essence is it. it First of all, there's self-hypnosis part of it. It's part of it. So again, I can sort of um, teach people how to hypnotize themselves. The difference between just meditation and hypnosis and hypnotherapy is the is the power of the suggestive part, the suggestion. So you can give somebody a, su- a positive affirmation, a positive um, suggestion, whilst they're in the sort of the process of, of, of hypnosis, and and they're more receptive, they're more sus- more susceptible to take it on board. Okay. Okay. It's something again that is is just it's, it's it's known about how it works. There's so much research going into it now. You get a lot of people, for example, who were who were previously GPs mm-hmm. that that go into hypnotherapy once they retire because they can they understand the power of it. There's a lot again a lot of research connected to the fact that you you're not sort of in your head as much when you're in that relaxed state, which mm-hmm. means basically when you're in the relaxed state, you're more able to think clearly, to focus. And to actually take on board positive suggestions, mm. if you say to somebody normally just walking down the street, "Oh, you know, you, you look nice today," for example, maybe not a very good example, but if you said that to somebody, the likelihood is they will have an immediate sort of, "Ah, oh, no, I don't," because they're just saying that because you know, lots of yeah. those sort of justifications for why potentially that positive sort of suggestion shouldn't be taken on board. Kind of depending on their own sort of story they've got about themselves, exactly. it kind of gets in the way of exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas with the with the hypnotherapy, you can actually put people into a sort of a comfortable state of mind, where actually they can take on positive things about themselves. They can start to rebuild their sort of how they frame themselves. They can start to um, implement sort of positive affirmations within to their sort of into mm. their self. And on top of all that sort of nice stuff and that really powerful, strong sort of belief stuff, it teaches people how to relax. Right. So again, in today's society, again going back to that, it's. It's a strange state. Um, it's a strange, strange sort of um, time of life, really, where we have to really actively go and relax. We have to actively go and exercise. We have to yeah. go and relax because there's so much stimulation. Because there's yeah. so many things constantly going on. Again, it just shows or teaches people the importance, first of all, and strategies in order to actually consciously go and relax. Mm. And again, that in itself is just really, really powerful. Bringing it back to the biology side it just helps people to rebalance that nervous system as well for that short period of time, that one hour a week. Mm. They can then, once they do the self-hypnosis, can turn into potentially um, 10, 15 minutes a day. Um, and it just gives them a time of day um, to sort of, you know, re-establish that balance and just to actually be relaxed. And again, I think that being relaxed, it sort of has a connotation almost of being lazy, but it's not, you need that relaxation as, as, as a base Definitely. so that you can then be aroused and anxious mm. when you need to perform but then you come back down again to that base level which is what we all we need for that sort of sort of comfortable balanced life mm. hypnotherapy as well it's got so much more to it there's um, there's lots of um, support with hypnotherapy with phobias again systematic desensitization is a method that we use where you can use visualization for mm. um for your clients to to become accustomed to a stimulus which causes them a sort of a negative response. So you would think and try and picture the thing that's going to be scary or terrifying yeah. and to try and desensitize exactly, yourself to it. Exactly. And then slowly over time obviously that sort of that that stimulus then becomes less um the, the reaction to it becomes less intense and you start to be able to deal with it more and then when it's then translated into the real world that body's the body and mind have actually become accustomed to it to mm. actually allow them to then sort of um, be okay with it or be more okay with it and to be more sort of comfortable with it. Mm. There's also lots of things around pseudo orientation, so it's really really good um, opportunity again when somebody's in that relaxed state to actually put their their mind into the future 
and actually imagine themselves in a certain way, something having been achieved, sitting or giving a public, doing some public speaking and everything going well, mm. remembering your words, crystal clear thinking, you know, clarity of thought, what do you look like, what you're wearing, you know, really trying to instigate all this, all the senses to imagine themselves having sort of or achieving the thing that they want to in the future. And again, there's loads of reasons why that's useful. And again, I'll go into that in a second. But again, the power of visualization for the future, the power of visualization just in general is just, a, again, it's another skill which can be sort of honed using hypnotherapy um, during that relaxed state. Mm. Um, so you, you've got to get into that place where your mind is able to access, I guess, new ideas and, and new thoughts. That's, that's, the the interesting, that's the interesting thing. It's not necessarily new ideas and new thoughts. It's more uh, the, the space, uh, giving yourself the space to, 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 to access them. Mm. Not, bringing to them, not necessarily bringing anything new to it, but actually taking away the, the chatter and the clutter for a short period of time to actually allow them to come through again. Mm. So again, important. I think any, any kind of approach where you are turning your attention onto your own thoughts and paying attention to yourself mm -hmm. is is really powerful i mean i know you know, you've, you've mentioned that the, the nlp and cbt are, are part of those mm -hmm. things um a lot of the a lot of the work i do would, would use some cbt and things like that but one of the things i work with a lot with parents straight away is actually starting to look after themselves a bit mm -hmm. more and it doesn't always mean like oh you've got to go and get yourself a box of chocolates every day mm -hmm. it's, it's it's spending time sort of trying to relax your mind but mm -hmm. almost like a like the reverse of a muscle isn't it rather than like you know you go to the gym to try and build up tension in your muscle yeah you're actually almost spending time working out how to relax your thinking yeah and escape those thoughts a little bit exactly like as you, the analogy the sort of the analogy of it being a muscle may not work quite so much but definitely a skill it does mm. so it's a skill you practice it when you first start, the amount of people I hear that say, can't do it. For example, with meditation a lot of the time, can't do it, I tried it, I can't do it. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's a skill, it's something that you have to build up over time and it's that patience and it's that sort of trust in the fact that it is going to support you, it will help you. Mm. Because all it is, is an ability for your body to actually go into balance and actually relax. Mm. You know, and it is it's something that can't be, there's, there's no downside to it. It's like you hear with them with guys that do meditation regularly. Like the first time you try and meditate, it takes you ages mm -hmm. to get any kind of relaxed state. Mm -hmm. um, but the guys that have done it over years and years and years can just switch yep. like that. And I know you. Maybe you're not a fan of the muscle analogy, but perhaps I'm gonna push that one and hammer flog a dead horse for a minute. <laughs> um, but I guess it like sort of from what I understand about the brain you know when you when you fire connections when you do a certain type of thinking the brain creates these pathways and the more you use that pathway it creates something called myelin sheaths which mm -hmm. is like the solidification of that pathway so say like you're learning to tie your shoelace um, you know the first time you sort of figure it out you create these pathways in your brain and that's your tying your shoelace and over the years that becomes more and more automatic to the point where if I asked you to explain how to tie your shoelace, you probably couldn't, but you could do it without yeah. thinking and you could talk to me whilst you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So the myelin sheaths around that connection are really strong. So I, th I feel like when you're talking about getting into a relaxed state, you're almost practicing, like you say, like a skill, but not only are you practicing the skill and you're better at it, your brain is in the same way as a muscle is more equipped to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's where yeah. I kind of see the, the yeah. muscle analogy. Not that it gets bigger. <laughs> I guess. Imagine that. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's like it's like exercising the ability to relax. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. The, the the meditation side. The difference between meditation and hypnotherapy is basically it's it's the same sort of relaxed state that you that you can right. that you can manage. But the hypnotherapy then has that suggestion suggestion. Okay. So whether that's the sort of if I was working with a client, that's me giving them positive suggestions based on what they, they want to achieve. Okay. Or again, during the self-hypnosis, it might be a case of getting themselves down to a relaxed state themselves yeah. and then giving themselves positive suggestions. And that's where it has such a powerful, powerful uh, impact. But also, I guess that's where the danger and the 
people's misconceptions of hyp- hypnosis comes into because mm-hmm. that's you get them into that relaxed state and then you tell them to cluck like a chicken or yeah. whatever but what you're saying is that in your sessions you would identify what they want to achieve what they want to change mm-hmm. get them into that relaxed state and then use those um sort of affirmations and, and ways of yeah. getting them to achieve, help them to achieve that. Exactly, and that's where a lot of the sort of the, the skill is in the is in the linguistics, yeah. actually. So when they're in the sort of relaxed state, it's about um, uh, using vocabulary, which is really sort of um, connect, connected to them and mm. making sure that actually what you're saying is something that they, they're, they're comfortable with. If at any point during hypnosis, this is something that I can't emphasise enough, if at any point during hypnosis I said the word don't know penguin from nowhere you're there you you you're awake you're not and you don't go anywhere there's there's no point when you're actually completely and utterly out of the rumors you know right so i wouldn't just suddenly start being a penguin i thought you would when you said penguin then i was starting to panic i was like what's he done (laughs) (laughs) has he done something and i'm gonna do something now because he said that word quarter past eight (laughs) (laughs) waddling around like a penguin um but again a lot of people think that again there's a lot of Again, there is a lot of sort of um, press about hypnotherapy being something that can be exploited. Yeah. Not hypnotherapy. That's more the hypnosis side of things. Right. Where it's a bit more stage related, and it's a bit more. It's it's it's, it's for entertainment purposes. Yeah. And again, they're very carefully selected individuals that are taking part in that. Um, during a hypnotherapy session with myself, for example, if I say anything, even if I use a word you're not used to, yeah, you would be like, I wonder why he's just used that word. You don't go anywhere. But you're yeah. just, I always use the analogy of being underwater. You know the sort of feeling when you're underwater and you look up at the surface. Yeah. And you know that the surface is there. You know life's going on as normal yeah. around it. But you're just quite happy for that moment just to yeah. stay under. And just, you know, be nice and relaxed because it's peaceful down there. But at any point, if you ever want to bring you yourself to the surface, the surface you can. Yeah. Exactly. So you're in control. Yeah. So that, so again, I, mean, I think that's really important, mate, because I, I, I can almost imagine saying to people oh, hypnotherapy and that that would be one of their yeah. reservations is oh I don't trust anyone enough to do that but what you're saying is at no point are you going to be out of control Not at all, no. you know no. um, and actually that's 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 a really important thing to sort of bear in mind yeah and I recently qualified as well as a hypnotherapy in schools practitioner okay. and I haven't actually um, sort of got that off the ground yet because I've been quite busy but um, so your plan is to start using that with with young people yeah potentially and and nation it's a big thing nationwide um there's a lady called Caroline Dyson who's up in the Midlands who's who basically started the whole the whole Mm. movement and she says the biggest the biggest advocates of um, using hypnotherapy with children is parents that have experienced hypnotherapy right so they know 100% once they've experienced it they think this is great this is a life skill this is excellent for them to be able to sort of you know bring all those things together yeah and actually they're the ones that are the most willing and the most sort of keen for Caroline and and, and her team to sort of go in and actually deliver hypnotherapy sessions with their with their children and you wouldn't do that with your children if you didn't you know definitely but I just think that there there needs to be a a bigger push for toolboxes for, Mm -hmm. for young people um you know emotional resilience should be something that's on the curriculum yeah, and and the, the thing that I've I've sort of noticed working with different people and, and reading different you, people are are also varied and different you not you're not going to guarantee something's going to work for everyone but you want to give them as many options as possible mm-hmm. so if hypnotherapy could work for them great if they want to call it something like mindfulness yep. great you know it's it's all about the individual isn't it and what they need yeah you know um so it's it's a really important thing with the workshop that i'm fortunate enough to be delivering in schools and and college as well um in the area um i focus on very much the practical side of things so i yeah. look at the breathing techniques i think that's absolutely vital you know it always gets a bit of a snigger from the group when i'm mm. saying we're going to practice some breathing because they're always you know been breathing since i woke up this morning yeah you know what i mean but it's about that sort of learning breathing strategies and how to actually not not necessarily deep breathe, but conscious breathing. Yeah, and that's really really important life skill. Yeah. Well, it's that consciousness, isn't yeah, it? It's exactly. that escape. It's that escape from your thoughts and mm-hmm. your thinking. I mean, that you know, the the one that I use probably the most now is the is the the timed breathing, where you mm-hmm. try and you try and breathe in as slowly as possible, and then breathe out as slowly as possible, and you try and make that as long as you can. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I genuinely, I find, and this might just be me, but I've, I find that if I've, often I'll have back-to-back meetings. So I'll have a parent come in with, you know, all, all their sort of difficulties and challenges for that week. Um, you know, we talk about an awful lot in that hour and your head is kind of swamped with all this information. And then you've got a 10 minute break for the next parent to come in. So I can't carry that over. I need a way mm-hmm. of just resetting. And I will, I will sit in my chair and I'll, I'll start my stopwatch and I'll try and see how long I can breathe in for mm-hmm. and how long I can breathe out for. And I'll try and slow that down. And it just stops. It just empties my head. Mm-hmm. And also I think obviously the biology side of it, it slows everything down mm-hmm. and I feel really relaxed. Um, in the same way, the, the other one that I do is if I'm in the gym or I'm like feeling sleepy before something I need to be awake for, um, and I don't know where I got this one from, but you, you breathe, um, you breathe in more than you breathe out a few times. So mm-hmm. you breathe in really deep like, and you're almost over breathing in mm-hmm. and it, just straight away just doing it then it tingles up your spine and you feel slightly more alert yeah it's like alert breathing and i just and that and then the one you you told us which was the noticing the heat of the coldness of the breath on the way in through your nose mm-hmm. and the heat on the way out mm-hmm. and it's just all stuff that kind of gets you out of your thought and yeah. gets you back in your your body it's an interesting one you said about the sort of if you want to pep yourself up yeah you do more in inhaling than out than exhaling yeah um, the inhale is directly linked more to the sympathetic nervous system. Right. So that's. So if you are breathing in more, you're tipping that balance to be more, in the more in the ready sympathetic nervous system. Exactly yeah. ready to go. Whereas the out breath, is more linked then to the parasympathetic. Yeah. It's why people relax more when they breathe out. It's their shoulders drop and that sort of. If you've ever sort of um, measured your heart, heartbeat, sort of using sort of um, electronic device of some sort, some sort your heartbeat will be significantly slower on the out-breath. Right. Significantly. Give it a try. Significantly slower on the out-breath. It's because of that. It's actually linked in with uh, that parasympathetic system. That's interesting because I had uh, I was doing a session with a, an autistic chap who gets quite uh, sort of extreme birth, outbursts of anger and, and things like that. And he, um, he happened to have got a Fitbit. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that session, um, we talked a lot about using that to me- measure his heart rate ah, nice, um, nice. and we were able to use some breathing exercises to sort of show him that yeah so certainly that um, being able to sort of visualise it for him to see his heart rate mm-hmm. um, and how quickly he could control it I think mm-hmm. that was a really powerful tool and it's again a perfect example of how we can start to use technology and like that biofeedback is really really good to actually see what's happening in your body in some sort of electrical form it can mm-hmm. be quite sort of interactive for a lot of people and and it gives them like something to actually, yeah, focus on because ultimately that's what we're aiming for, isn't it? Is that definitely, that definitely, and and also that that message that you're in control of it, mm-hmm. um, because again, lots of, lots of the time with, um, with my the people I work with, they they, kids get, told, that, um, their about their feelings and their anger and their autism and, um quite rightly it's to kind of stop them feet you know to, it's to protect their self-esteem mm-hmm. to stop them thinking oh i'm such an awful person and i'm so bad and i'm so wrong mm-hmm. so we we kind of balance that with no it's not you it's just your anger it's the anger you have you have anger issues you have anger problems you have anxiety problems mm-hmm. you have autism and then they start to sometimes swing to this place where it's oh it's not me it's my anger it's yeah. almost excusing it yeah. um and whilst i always come at it from a position of, of, of trying to support someone with something they struggle with I do always want to send the message to them that they can control it yeah. otherwise it's kind of like well you know I'll just wait for it it mm-hmm. happens and I deal with it yeah. um, and I think you know that, that breathing stuff you can you can almost show them how look you are controlling it yeah. right now you're controlling your heart rate if you can control your heart rate you can control your emotions mm-hmm. and everything else yeah. Um, and I have to say just going back to picking up on the thing you said about visualisation um, I think that for me that would be the bit I'd be really interested in learning is the skill and the linguistics of it because um, you know you said you, you've stolen a few ideas from me although they're not really mine but there mm-hmm. you go um, 
I went away and tried to do some visualization because I remembered your um, Adam does this great bit about a lemon in in his training and and I've sat there and done it with the other young people that were there um, and I for one could certainly really visualize this this lemon <laughs> I'm not going to do it justice but, uh, <laughs> So I went away and tried to do that, but I'm quite distractible and my head goes all over the place and I'm a waffler and I just, it was didn't work at all because I was just talking and talking and talking around this sort of idea of a lemon and all this kind of stuff. And I think, um, sorry, Adam's phone's going there, which is distracting me even more. So yeah, I guess I guess the hypnotherapy side of things is almost like it. you're adding some of the concepts of things like CBT and mindfulness to someone who is also very skilled in how to linguistically present ideas that will help. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know how, really what, what, yeah. 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 Well, I don't think I needed the bit about the lemon, but you know. <laughs> um, I'm conscious of time, because I kind of, I'm not sure how long we've been going, and I want to try and keep these to just under an hour. And and I definitely want to get you back, mate, because I think we could just talk, talk, yeah, and talk. Right. Um, whether anyone will listen or not, we'll, we'll <laughs> wait and see. But one thing I'm interested in doing for people is is maybe having a couple of top tips. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know we've kind of covered a massive broad field, um, but if you had to think, and obviously you can't do hypnotherapy without guidance and probably a hypnotherapist and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of some of the ideas that we've talked about, is there any kind of top tips or things that you would recommend uh, specifically for parents who are supporting young people with with challenges? Parents who are supporting young people. Um, there's the, the I think a really important factor is to realise that a parent who doesn't feel sort of strong in themselves or doesn't feel comfortable in themselves doesn't feel supported in themselves mm. is, is going to find it harder to support their, their young person so I would automatically not suggest straight away off the cuff something to help support their young person but I can definitely give things to, to help sort of parents support, support themselves, themselves if that makes sense so what you're looking at is perhaps some sort of training course <laughs> called looking after yourself which is if you're in the Devon and Exeter area um, do check it out I'll put some links underneath in the information about the um, the website, but we are doing that one day course for that reason, aren't we? We yeah, kind of, we kind of both feel like looking after yourself as the adult supporting the young person mm-hmm. is really key. So that would be one. Again, as I say, the the most important thing for that young person to know one hundred percent is that um, these things are completely and utterly um, supportable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can support people through this. It's not how it's going to be forever. A lot of young people that are experiencing anxiety, especially, assume that they're going to have a life of anxiety. Mm. And again, that's not how it works. Again, probably for another time, but the, the way that the teenage brain forms, it, anxiety is, a, is, is almost a, is an, an unavoidable transition into adulthood. Mm. So actually, it's quite welcoming and quite sort of um, nice for young people to know is that actually this anxiety could, is, is pretty much just transient and it's going to sort of get easier at some point and mm. it's going to become more smooth but there are things you need to do to try and work on it as far as actual tools are concerned i would really recommend the temperature breathing with young people so yeah. if, if if they're starting to feel a little bit you know sort of anxious a little bit sort of whatever the emotions come into the surface if you can get them to just turn their attention to feeling the fact that their breath in is cooler than the breath out mm. even just that for for, for for 30 seconds or so Biologically, it's helping to reset that nervous system, or at least put it sort of into a better balance. Um, sort of psychologically, it's it's focusing an attention somewhere, and actually mm. they'll they'll sort of come around the other side of that, thinking, oh, you know, that that thing's gone. Then they might be crossing the road, they might be going into a shop at this point, they might be on the computer. Whatever it is, it's just that starting to put that pattern in place to actually um, override that sort of emotion. Not override it, sorry, but to try and just deviate, deviate it. Yeah, I guess so. Or, yeah, back, or... back to something that's more that, that, that's manageable. Hmm. And the breathing is the absolute key. We're always with our breath, so if hmm. we can start to use the breath as some, you know, to support us, it's always there every single split second of the day to, that we can sort of use it. The other thing that I would say to parents, one hundred percent, is it's really good again um, to build like you, you again build the self self belief. 
in themselves. Yeah. So even if they're a very confident person on the surface, again, a lot of us talk quite negative, negatively to ourselves mm-hmm. in our head. Um, so it's really good to start to build in something that, again, just gives you that sort of personally gives you that bit of a pep up, gives you something nice to say to yourself, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I feel like I'm sort of going off a little bit as soon as I've been given the, t- the time restraint I'm uh, babbling a little bit here but no there's no real time restraint mate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can yeah alright yeah sorry I'll start again. can you ask me the, to ask me the advice for the parents again because then I'll just the top tips I'll do it a lot shorter a lot more succinctly but yeah top tips oh well, no I want to leave in that bit mate I oh, want to really? leave in the bit yeah with everything you said about the breathing that was all okay. really good alright um, we'll just if you just want to pick up on the um, I'd like to do a really sort of strong do this do this do this do this but okay so um, were you going to add anything else in were you going to put in something about the I just don't think I'm thinking I'm bringing in something that's not as relevant so I think it's the breathing stuff again I'll, I'll stick it to breathing and visualisation for parents and then breathing and visualisation with the young, for young people if you want to yeah okay that sounds alright so, so just to re- so to kind of recap then yeah as a top tip, as top tips. Yeah, so top tip to parents, 100%, um, when they're sort of trying to support their young person, is for the young person to realise, I mentioned before, realise that actually um, this isn't sort of how it's going to be forever. There mm-hmm. are things that they can do. Really, really let them know that they're empowered. They can actually help support themselves, okay? It just takes a bit of work. Mm-hmm. It takes a bit of work, but actually it's, it's ultimately it's worth it. Yeah. So it's not forever. They're not the odd one out. Everyone experiences the anxiety response. It's completely built in, okay, and it's kept us alive. Let them know if they're interested in that sort of thing. Let them know the evolutional side of it. Every single one of our ancestors since the Big Bang has managed to survive. Mm. They wouldn't have been able to do that if you didn't have an anxiety response. So it's just about trying to just reframe it and actually let them know that they're not they're not the odd one out. That's really important. The breathing, again, just try as best you can. I know that, again, depending on the age group, teenagers aren't always the sort of most willing to listen. But, again, it's really good even just plant the seed about that temperature breathing. It's so, so important. Mm. The breath is with us, as I've said previously, the breath is with us every single split second of every day. So mm-hmm. if we can start to use that breath to work for our advantage, you know, it really, really does sort of stand us in good stead then to deal with lots of things as we go through it every day. Um, the temperature breathing being noticing the sort of the coolness of the air as you breathe in through your nose, mm. and then the fact that it's slightly warmer on the way out. Okay, and even just that for 30 seconds or so um, can be a really nice way of just balancing that sort of nervous system out um, or at least bringing it back into sort of more sort of comfortable level. Mm. Um, parents, I think that again, I'm not a father myself, but again, I think that again, from working with a lot of clients who are parents, we start to talk quite harshly to ourselves. And I'm, I'm, I'm presuming again, if you're a parent of somebody, of, of somebody that's having sort of anxiety issues it might you might actually be taking on that well you will be taking on board that yourself so again just a reminder to yourself that you know that you're always you're always doing your best at any one time um, and there's a really good strategy which I use a lot for my clients and that's to build an A to Z of positive words to describe yourself right so anybody can do this and I recommend everybody invests however long it takes just to, to go Z. through the alphabet yeah start with A A B C one day yeah, that, that I can get the uh, a <laughs> awesome, brilliant, charismatic. Um, I can do that bit. I'm just yeah. thinking about the X, Y, and Z. That's there we go. A... Get on the internet. Yeah, get get the thesaurus out. Xenophobic. That's not really a positive, is it? Okay, again, that's, A to Z of positive words. That I mean, that'd be a good exercise for young people as well. Oh, I guess. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, I do that with all my workshops as well. Mm. And it just, first of all, it's just quite nice to to be scanning your your mind, scanning the sort of the internet for things that describe you. Mm. in a positive in a positive light and again every single letter everyone knows the alphabet so we know that actually if we're if we're at b we know that c's next that d's next so that as an affirmation or not as an affirmation really but those sort of positive um, words to describe ourselves all the way through the alphabet first of all we're being nice to ourselves for that short period of time it might take you two minutes to remember all the letters as you've gone through all the words mm-hmm. but again you're not not being nice to yourself so it's sort of a double whammy there so you're being nice Actually, you're not, not thinking just being negative. harsh to yourself. You're not yeah. thinking negatively for that short short period of time. Plus, again, as people go through, they might start changing the word the let the words around. You know, for example, P might end up having three words attached to it. But either way, you're starting to build a vocabulary that's positive about yourself, um, which you know you you can't I can't sort of promote that enough. Mm. And again, the the feedback I get from my clients who use it on a regular basis, um, a lot of people who come to see me have got a very negative fossilized way of thinking. 
whether it be about themselves, about their situation, if you can just start to put these very sort of small, easily sort of um, uh, implementable sort of strategies in place, they're very, very simple. And again, mm. they can have a really profound effect then on your just your general sort of outlook on yourself and your situation. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, mate. Thanks for sort of bearing with me on my first attempt at this. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to get you back and uh, we've got plenty more to talk about. So Absolute pleasure. Um, Thank yeah. you for the invite. Awesome. Well, thanks to Adam. And uh, if any of you guys are interested in accessing our course, if you're in the Exeter or Devon or Southwest um, England area, uh, it's on the 8th of December. Uh, you can get information at www.biznet, which is B-I-S hyphen, which is the line across the middle, N-E-T, .org.uk, or you can check us out at Cedar Biznet on the Facebook page, and I think that's the Twitter handle as well. Is it handle? Twitter handle? I don't know. I'm not really big on the social media. Someone else does that. Uh, or you could email me direct at sam.harris at cedar, C-E-D-A, online. That's cedaronline, all one word, .org.uk. Thanks for listening. Nice See how much that editing that takes. I don't want to edit it too much. I want it to sort of flow yeah. naturally, but I can just take out the chunk where we started again. Mate. Cool, nice one. Yeah, it just yeah, just a couple of those times. I was, I was just talking for the sake of my mouth working. Do you know what I mean? I just yeah, but I just, do that, mate. But it's, you know, I just think go with, with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, it's like with the Joe Rogan ones where they're like, if that happens, they just sort of. It's natural. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not as scripted, and you sort of you just catch yourself and go, "What am I talking about?" That's fine, because people are listening to it in that capacity. Yeah, no, you're right. You're if you right, think right. about a podcast, like how people aren't going to sit there and they're not, they're not going to go. Oh, hang on, am I still bloody? <laughs> they're not going to sit there and listen to.